How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Russ Matera very seldom lies, and he's not there. It's inside the clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. He's Bruce Levine. This is going to be a fun one today, Bruce. They all are. They all are. And it's uh, that time of year in baseball with one month left in the season. The Cubs uh, fighting their way uh, through the rest of the division, the rest of the way, the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend. White Sox still in development mode, uh, have been, gosh, hard to watch over the last uh, four or five games. They just have had a roller coaster of a year. We'll talk more about that. Some of the things going on with the White Sox. We'll probably start with the Chicago Cubs. But first and foremost, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your summer home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli, no doubt. The best full-service restaurant, without question. The best bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has full dinners with all the trimmings from 4 to 9 p.m., seven days a week. They include skirt steak, roast beef, chicken, and the freshest fish in the city. Max and Benny's has private dining areas for all your party and business meeting needs from 10 to 150 people accommodated. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John at MaxandBenny's.com. 30 minutes from downtown. 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's, where the pastrami sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper or as far as a... uh, Castellanos home run. How about piled as high as the OPS for Nick Castellanos wow. since he's been here? Wow. It's a 390 on base and a 732 slugging. That's a 1.122 OPS in his 27 games as a Cub. 11 homers, 9 doubles, 20 RBIs. And the joy that he brings, the uh, excitement that he brings, the everyday opening day factor, the interactions. Enjoy with him his, for the next 28 days. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> the man is making himself some money. Meanwhile, Anthony Rendon with chance of MVP last night in Washington. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are playing very well at a very opportune Guess moment. Guess who represents both of those players? Mr. Boris. That's going to be an interesting offseason. Yeah. See, uh where those guys go, and if Castellanos actually stays a Cub. Matt and I are with you between 9 and 11 today talking Chicago baseball at 312-644-6767. That's our interactive number. You can text Matt at 67011. Guests today include Hall of Famer Lee Smith. Man, tomorrow is Lee Smith Day yes. at Wrigley. His come on, hall, come his, on hall, out. his Hall of Fame speech was awesome. Looking forward to talking to Lee today. Tim Allen, the postgame host for Milwaukee Brewers, will talk to us about the Brewers and John Lester, the Cubs, joining us as well. Your input is necessary, important, wanted here. Again, at 
644-6767. Looking forward to talking to all those guys, Lee Smith and Lester and Tim Allen as well. But let's start with Castellanos, shall we? The I like this thing where the Cubs score a lot of runs early and then just kind of hold on and, and everybody gets to hang kind of like a video game, right? Yeah, I think that that's a good plan. They should have started that a lot earlier this year. And, uh, and 162 and all. Uh, Castellanos with the two-run homer early, and then he came up again with a chance to pile on when it was 3 nothing. Castellanos drives one in the air, deep left center. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Castellanos' second home run of the day. Cubs lead five to nothing. And what you didn't hear there, but what you did see, either live or in replay, is that he turns towards his own dugout and slams the bat down with two hands. Doesn't everybody do that? Not a flip. No, rip it and flip it is Tim Ander- what Tim Anderson's bat said on Players Weekend. But no, it's the slam, not the flip from Nick. Enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. Well, he enjoyed it. Uh, is it too much in your face uh, when, you, when it comes to the other side? Well, hey man, not, not, not these days for no, me. No. Oh, no. What if you're on the other side? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's up to them, and they can get crusty if they want to, but then you better be sure that none of your guys do it. Well, This is the new way I, of the world, man. That was fun. It's, it's good. I mean, it's good. You know, you just have to uh, you know, be ready for ramifications from it. But the Brewers have to do better. They have to play better. They have to score more runs. They're going to get in it. Here's Castellanos and Joe Madden talking about the bat slam. Having an idea that he was going to come in and wanting to do exactly what I did and just looking to the boys and getting fired up. I mean, I don't really have a explanation. I didn't mean to, like, do that or anything. It just came out. Yeah, I kind of saw the replay. Nicholas is Nicholas, you know, and uh, it was pretty demonstrative. So that's Nick, and his energy seems to be um, uh, at least a little bit contagious. Uh, his teammates enjoying him. Is it, it, they, how do you not at this point, Bruce? You know, uh, he's com- he comes from a place where they haven't won for a while and where it was he's like, he got to get out of jail free card. And he is expressing his love, happiness, desire to be with somebody playing baseball in a meaningful way uh-huh. on a meaningful team. Uh, does it uh, is it contagious to the other players? I, I have no idea to tell. I mean, I don't see anybody coming out of character that's played with the Cubs for a while. I don't see anything different from Rizzo or from uh, Bryant. I don't see anything different from Hayward. They all have their uh, modus of operandi, and mm-hmm. they also – um, they, you know, they have their way of preparing you. I mean, you see, you know, Hap different. I mean, they're, they're all different, but I, I don't, I, I can tell you they certainly appreciate what he's done. Yeah. I mean, he's come here and he's, he's given them an, an awful lot of production. The energy is off the chart, but the production has been the key to the Cubs. What would you say? Four games? That he's been worth? That he's been worth, yeah. I, I think that I think that's fair, and that's a lot when you think about it's a ton. wins above replacement, and yeah. when you think about these twenty-seven games that he's been here. Yeah, yeah I think I think that. it's a ton, and uh, just setting the tone early, scoring runs early, getting a point on the board early. No one's been better in the first inning than Nick. Castellanos. And there's a few different levels of it because it's the quality of at bats, the quality of at bats early, and there's the style uh, in terms of what kind of hitter he is. And Theo Epstein actually spoke about this on our air with Burns and McKnight the other day. The Cubs have a lot of guys who can be attacked in a similar way with that high fastball and that slider that then drops down. Castellanos hits that stuff better than anybody on the Cubs. So it's all of a sudden you've got that different kind of hitter. What else does there. he do? 
he hits the ball the other way. Yeah, he does. On a regular basis. He insides out, inside outs it, and mm-hmm. it's not a ping. It's a it's a line drive. And he's talked at length, Matt, about the, how Wrigley plays so much more fair uh, than it does at uh, Comerica. Uh-huh. Now, he hasn't seen Wrigley in April, May, and September, or late September. But yet. he's got a swing that, that is so suitable with that down the line and gap. It, I mean, you know, the, the line there. drive is – line drive – hitter is going to flourish anywhere in, in particular at Wrigley Field but uh, he's seen the bad Wrigley too and he, he understands that it's different and he's still I said to him the other day I said you know what uh, there was a ball that he hit that normally would go out and it was held up by the wind and he said said yeah that was like in Detroit and I said dude you have to get away from Lake Michigan <laughs> <laughs> Lake Michigan is bringing him down. <laughs> That's he's played his whole career in Lake Michigan. Uh, but are, are there any ball clubs that play on the shores of Lake Superior? Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, Buffalo doesn't have a big league team. No, no. But it, it's it's uh, it's interesting to watch him, and and he brings a great en- energy. We'll talk a little bit more about him as well. But um, certainly the Cubs' latest surge, as we talked about last week on the show, where. Uh, I thought that they had a good chance of getting swept and then doing well in New York. Look at you. I mean, you know, it's, it was a lucky prediction, okay? The prediction was based on only the fact that Washington was playing so well yes. coming in. It wasn't based on how bad the, the Cubs were or that they weren't going to be able to play with them. It was that Washington has been playing at a at a high peak now for a long time. Shout out to you, Bruce, says a text that came in before you brought this up from Crazy Dave. You said they could get swept by the Nats and then go sweep the Mets, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, well, that again, that's, you know, that's a stupid, lucky, just throw it out there. But the only premise it was based on was that the, the Nats were playing at their, their, their most high peak, and they still are. I mean, that, that's a really good team. And if they continue to play that way, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, that said, um, going in and playing the Mets, uh, they had already lost, I think, three in a row going in there. Mm-hmm. Not not at the time we were on the air. They had lost one or two. But the, the fact is is that we see it with Cleveland. We see it with um, um, th- this team as well. They They have to go so hard so long to catch up. Yeah. That eventually they little they run out of gas a little bit. Right, they went on that huge run just to get there and get back in it. Yeah. Um, here's Castellanos talking about exactly the stretch that you're talking about um, when they got swept by the Nats, who played so well, and we waxed philosophic about their offense for a while. But then the team went to New York and swept the Mets. Here's Castellanos talking about that from yesterday. Well, they had good good at bats, top to bottom. You know, I don't know how many walks they had. Uh, in the series, their plate discipline was really good. I would say that against the, the, the first off, the Nationals played great baseball. You know, their strikes on discipline was was unbelievable. But I just think it shows that our resilient, like our resilience, is it was easy to go into New York, a team that notoriously doesn't play well on the road. You see the pitchers that we have lined up against us, and kind of like fold a little bit, you know, but mm-hmm. that's not anybody's character in this clubhouse. So the fact that we can get punched in the mouth like we did against the Nationals and then come out and play baseball like we are speaks to the character we have. When you hit the way Castellanos is hit, people are going to come to you and ask you to say things about the team's psyche overall, and right. now he's, uh, he, he's he's answering those questions. The, the thing that uh, I'm even most impressed is not only his energy level, but 
that his defense isn't what we had heard it was. No, it's better than it's that. It's better. He's he's he put he got to a ball in the gap yesterday that I didn't think he could get to. I remember the and word. he 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 told I asked him about it after the game and he said, you know, I've only played the outfield for two years. So he was a third baseman his whole career and not really great at it. Uh he feels, you know, he went on to say, I'm still learning that position. So he's gonna get better. Uh again, you know, will the Cubs be able to Add him on after this, uh, hopefully, uh, 30-day mix more and uh, postseason. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Again, the, the having the agent he has uh, is, is going to be interesting. But it's a very high-pressure, uh, uh, high, high pressure, uh, highly intelligent guy who will probably tell Scott Boris what he wants to get. Bruce, a um, lot going on here. As you mentioned, the Nationals playing as well as they are. You'd like to avoid the wild card. The Cubs one game back of the Cardinals. Here's what the Cardinals have the next few days. Doubleheader today, doubleheader tomorrow, day game on Monday in St. Louis. They have five games in like 50, 51 hours. Yeah. They'll have a 26th man for the doubleheader today. Rosters expand tomorrow, but still, that will tax your pitching staff. But five games by the time Tuesday comes, we might know a lot more about this race. You know you know who has that exact same schedule for the next two days? The Reds. <laughs> so, so it's a two-way street, you uh-huh. know. And the Cardinals are playing outstanding baseball. What are they eight and two in their last ten? Mm-hmm. They are. They've just and their starting pitching has been off the chart. Uh, their pitching in general has been really good. Yeah, I've got they numbers, the, but their August is their their least blown saves in in baseball this year. Yes, uh, th- this is a it's a very good team. It's not a great team, but it's a very good team. So it's going to be fun to watch. Matt, uh, we're going to have to step out, take a break. Three one two six four four six seven six seven is our number. Text us at six seven eleven. Matt and I will be talking to Hall of Famer Lee Smith, who will have his big day and appreciation day at Wrigley Field tomorrow. Also, talk to John Lester of the Cubs, Tim Allen, postgame host for the Milwaukee Brewers, and you again. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. It is inside the clubhouse. Lee Smith is next, right here on six seventy. The score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The big man on the mound, Lee Smith, can do what he's done so well all year long. Got him on a breaking pitch. To left field, hit well, going back powder to the wall, but he'll have the play and makes the pitch. So the congratulations for Lee Smith as he saves it for Steve Trout, who pitched a whale of a ball game. NLCS Game 2. Can we just say the series stopped right there? Really it smooth. did. <laughs> Got the they same. won. They went to the World Series I, and I remember they won it well. It. I remember it well. Lee Smith, the latest Hall of Famer, the pride of the Chicago Cubs, having his big day tomorrow at Wrigley Field. He'll be honored before the game, his whole family, all his friends in town, and nobody's happier than I am that he's getting his due. Lee Smith joins us on Inside the Clubhouse right now. Matt, good morning, Smitty. How are you? 
I'm doing good, Bruce. How you guys doing, man? I'm so excited for you. I can't imagine. Oh, thank you. I can't imagine. I, I know the Hall of Fame is the ultimate, but what does what yeah. does what does this mean for you having your day out there? Well, you know, you know, man. The weird thing about it all is like coming back here to Chicago and and seeing all the fans, everybody remembering like my first day in the big leagues and seeing the ground crew, the fire department, and all that, man. But really to get out there on the field, man, sort of give me goosebumps right now. Thinking about it, you know, with those guys like, you know, seeing Jody and Leon Moore, uh, little Dickie Nose and all those guys like that. But the Cub organization have been nothing but first class with me. Even even after I retired from the game and was with other organizations, every time I came to Chicago, Harry Cameron always well, come over and holler at me and do things like that, man. So the Cub organization in this city is has always been someone home to me. You know, eight different teams in a long 18-year career, but you are remembered most as a Cub, I think, Lee. I mean, you came up here yeah. and played through age 29 here. Um, you know, there are other other spots that could lay claim, and maybe they've had, but it's uh, it's got to be nice to to feel embraced by, by Cubdom in, in full this way. Oh, my God, yeah, man. You know what, now, now that I get back here, because, dude, when I first came up, my size sort of messed me up. Everybody thought I was on the Bears team. <laughs> so, but, but I always, I always, when I come back here, with people in the airport, you know, all, everybody always remembers the Chicago Cup thing. And I think, like you just said, most of the times that people remember me was definitely the Chicago Cup, and I got no problem with that. Smitty, how would you pitch the guys now? You You see everybody having – 99 and 100 coming in now. You were one of the few back then that threw 100 miles an hour. They didn't even have radar, they didn't have radar guns at that time. Uh, but, we <laughs> knew, but, but, they, but we knew you threw harder than just about anybody for a longer period of time. What, what would be different about Lee Smith now pitching as opposed to 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, you know, man, you uh, you sort of somewhat answered uh, your own question. You said, I pitch. Now we got guys that are throwers and not pitchers. Big difference. You know what? I always pride myself on being able to hit that outside corner and making quality pitches, you know. And I think now if you look back on uh, uh, the pitch selection, uh, the pitch location, I think it's so much of a big deal. But you know what's really strange is, is to – You'll see these guys throwing 99 miles an hour and the ball is out of the ballpark. You know, yep. they're not they're not quality pitchers. And I, I think we now look at guys like Fergie Jenkins and myself and and, and so many other guys. Jeff Reed is overlooked uh, being able to pitch and hit those corners and keep the ball down. Well. And your slider was nasty, Lee. I mean, these days, the best relievers are the ones who can throw that heat nice and high and then, then throw a slider that looks just like it and dies away. I, I think you would kill in that kind of style, going after these launch angle guys. Well, you know, because most of the guys now, man, uh, they, they swing and put the fences. They don't, you know, not very many guys, I think, hit the ball where it's pissed. You see a guy, a fastball down the way, and a guy hit it over the left field wall. That don't, that don't usually happen. But now I think of being able to, uh, as a pitcher's thinking, let the hitters get themselves out, other than you thinking about, i got to get these guys out. Now I, I think the slider, uh, the guys are looking for uh, a good pitch. They don't swing at the cripple pitches. So for guys like Andre Dawson and all those people, they hit, they hit your mistakes. Now the guys here are worried about the launch angle and, and that speed ratio thing, which is over my head, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> I, I think, uh, like like I said earlier, Bruce, you answered your own question, the, the difference between uh, uh, pitching and throwing. 
Smitty, um, the difference between closing now and when you came up, the first, what, eight or nine years, ten years of your career, you and Fingers and Suter and Gossage all came in in the seventh inning uh, normally with runners on base, uh, the game situation up in the air, and you pitched the rest of the way. Um, Do you think people just didn't recognize the fact of how difficult that was to get 35 saves back then as opposed to 50 now by throwing one inning? And is that the reason why it took forever for you to get into the Hall of Fame? I think so, because you know what now, man? They don't, they don't, I don't think, classify back now as what they did back in the day. We were considered relay pitchers. We weren't closers. You know, we came in in the seventh, eighth inning, you know, things like that. I actually pitched in a lot of, uh, there was a time here that I was in Chicago. I led the team in wins, and the guys were like, man, you must have had a lot of blown saves. I'm like, no, nah, I came in the game, and we were down by one in the seventh inning, and if I pitched well, we held a couple. One run wasn't nothing in right there. Hmm. So I ended up being the winning pitcher. But now those guys like myself, and you said Goose and 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 uh, uh, Bruce and all those guys. You think about you go out there, you get a, a chance for a blown save three times in one day. <laughs> it, it, don't <laughs> <laughs> it don't happen now. But I, I think I love him to death, man. One of my favorite managers was Jim Fry, but I don't think Jimmy wanted to bring me in the game until the go ahead run was the second. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, hey, Jimmy, I like to go out there with a clean slate one time now. <laughs> uh, Lee Smith grew up in Castro, Louisiana, this tiny little yep. town, Lee. And you've told the story about your high school principal, Mr. Sneed, calls you into his yep. office. You think you're in trouble. But instead, <laughs> he says, you know, you should come out for the baseball team. Because you, you were playing basketball. But he said, you should come out for the baseball team. Uh, tell people what he said and, and, and then what happened after that. Well, you know what? Like, uh, I had this bad knack of putting on the girls' ponytails in the hallway, and I've been I've been I've been called in the office a few times for that. So I thought that's what it's all about, you know. But but we actually, man, had a softball game in our PE class, and the the uh, baseball coach was our was the teacher. So he ended up I ended up going down there getting this base the softball and throwing the left field corner on the line to home plate and get the guy at home. And he saw that arm strength, I guess. You know, I'm like, man. Me and my brothers are throwing rocks across the water. Uh, <laughs> we're throwing peaches at the mailbox. So I never thought about that, you know. But when he saw that, he came in and talked to Mr. Sneed. And, and I always I said to him, like, man, I don't really. The first year or so, he asked me about coming out for the baseball team. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm, I can't afford the cleats and, and, and all the other stuff that you need. That I'm, I'm a basketball player. All I got to do is worry about making enough money uh, to buy sneakers, and I'm on the basketball team. Plus, um, I didn't really like the game of baseball. I thought it was boring. You know, but yeah. we end up getting there, you know, and the next, next like, uh, that summer went by at work. We did a lot of lawn mowing for Mr. Steed, and I never forget when the baseball season started. It was right, so the guy didn't practice. They was in the gym with me a lot. And I ended up, he asked me about coming out for the team, and I said no. And then they, I ended up coming into his office, which I thought Smitty was in trouble again, like I said. <laughs> so down the desk, man, with the full uniform. My number was, I never get uniform every day. Number three, I never get the cleats, the glove, all the stuff you needed, man, And uh, for the baseball team. And I'm like, well, my dad, I think I'm on the baseball team, Pops. You know, he said, hey, man, go ahead, dude. But my dad really didn't like that, that baseball thing because I had chores to do, man. <laughs> and we played baseball at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Didn't, do, didn't go too good for me. Love basketball because, you know, we were like, you know, play it at night. But baseball was taking me away from a lot of chores that he had me that wanted me to do. But 
I got to give all that credit to the community of Casta, uh, guys that I named in my speech, Bobby Gray, and uh, all those guys saw a lot in me. And they, they, they chased me down a lot in the history of Casta to play the game of baseball because it took a while for me to actually grasp that I had an opportunity to make it in baseball. Hall of Famer Lee Smith joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Smitty has his day tomorrow at Wrigley Field. It's it's so exciting for somebody that, um, you know, you were there when I first started covering baseball. I guess yes, I'm, we I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still there. And Smith, here, Matt, Smitty used to sit on the bench uh-huh. in, in the uh, in pregame watch, and he was pretending he wasn't watching batting practice, and he'd say, <laughs> Bruce, stand in front of me here. And he'd say, say whatever you want. But he'd be looking over my shoulder and watching the extra guys hit, the guys he'd face in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. But he didn't want them to know. So that was before <laughs> video. Right, Smitty? Yep, yep. It was before video. Yeah, so man, you, were, I, you were doing your own scouting yep. on the extra guys. Definitely, man. Definitely. You know, and this time of year where you have those September call-ups, kids like that, I know, American League. But, yep, I did that. I was out there doing my own scouting, man. But, like I said, now these guys got so much information. You don't go out. Uh, had that uh, two or three days before. They know when these guys started playing ball and they were 14. They got video on them and everything, man. But with me now, I just like, you know, I try to figure it out myself because I always figured that guys' shortcomings, they was going to work on it in batting practice. If a guy couldn't hit the ball inside, he was going to have the pitching goat shot there to throw him bad balls inside. So I'm looking at what these guys wanted. Like I said, I, I was my own video team. Yeah, that was that was great. Talk to us <laughs> – we have a couple more minutes with you. I know you got a heavy schedule and you got to go, but uh, talk to us about your only home run against another Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I got to say, uh, I love that because uh, one of my starting uh, uh, position players, Mr. Larry Boa, yep. he didn't have a home run yet. And we was giving him a hard time by not going deep. And then I come in, there, in Atlanta, and uh, uh, I think Phil Nisbro uh, threw me a knuckleball, and I thought I had my eyes closed, and I hit this home run, and <laughs> hit the net there, and I asked Stop the second base. I never forget my the, the uh, uh, umpire was Frank Pulley, which is who's going past now. And he says to me, "Hey, Smitty, it's a home run. Get off the field." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I actually got the ball, man. I actually got the, the ball for that." But Billy Williams was like working on me that day on my hitting because he said, "You know what? You, you you're pitching a lot. You're going to get some more at bats. You might have an opportunity that you're not going to be bunny." And, and I actually ended up pitching like two and two-thirds innings in that game where I got in that bat and it wasn't a bunt. It wasn't a, a, a bunt situation. Smitty, your favorite uh, Cub moment uh, before we let you go. And Matt and I really uh, appreciate the time. I mean, they're they're hard to isolate into one, aren't they? Oh, man, yeah. Um, probably the, uh, it's sad to say, was my, my last year with the Cubs was an All-Star game in 87. I uh, Everybody pitched in the All-Star game. And uh, I was the only guy left. And I ended up pitching three innings in the All-Star game, which was 1987. And there where I was getting that thing of being one of the best uh, relievers in the game. And I ended up striking out Mark McGuire there in Oakland. And uh, I, I think they started putting me as one of the, you know, maybe top ten and, and closers that year. And um, that was probably the one uh, grab moment. But 84, uh, the whole year. The whole year, we went through a lot of injuries with things yeah, like that. But it was awesome. Yeah, we, we actually, I think that 84 club, anybody that was on the fence of being a White Sox or Minnesota Twins or a Milwaukee Brewer fan, I think we brought them over to being Cub fans that year. I got to ask you one more, Lee, because after that, yeah. you're traded for Al Nipper and Calvin Chiraldi. You go to Boston. <laughs> 
And I'm a, a, I'm a, I'm a, kid, a college kid in the bleachers there at Fenway, and you used to start the game on the bench, and then uh-huh. about fifth inning, you would make the very, very slow walk from the <laughs> dugout to the bullpen, and the whole crowd in the bleachers would stand up and bow to you and go, Big yes. Lee, Big <laughs> Lee. Do you remember uh, that? And did you walk as man. slow as it seemed like you were walking, Lee? Hey, definitely, man. But you know what? The, uh, uh, the top of that story out there, I was – Bob Stanley had been there like 14 years. Yep. And I actually came to Boston. My very first game, Alan Trammell hit a damn home run off me. <laughs> oh, and I, so, so I go back there. I go down there the next day, and they're bowing. And, and Bob Stanley like, man, what the heck did you do to these people? I said, hey, man, you know that role was right behind the left field uh, – uh, the right field to the right center. He said, yeah, what the hell? How do you know them people? You only been there two days. I'm like, man, them are drinking buddies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of but drinking dude, buddies. It was, it was yeah, That's awesome. man, it, was, it was so amazing, man, that when I went there, they, uh, I mean, the fans just fell in love with me, man. It was unbelievable. Smitty, we can't thank you enough. I'm going to be excited <laughs> to be down there and watch you have I, your day. It's, uh, it's something great for you, but I know how proud you are for your family and the, yes, the city definitely. of Castor in Louisiana, how much pride it brings you. Yeah, man, definitely, Bruce. I, I tell you what, thank you guys for having me on, man. I'm, I, I can't wait. I just, uh, my, my little lady Diana's been getting on me a hard time, but don't get long-winded. I, I know. I it's, the game to 120. it's our fault. It's our fault. <laughs> Smitty, we'll see you at the park. Thanks again, buddy. Bye, guys. All right, take All right, care. Bro. You got it, man. Hall Bye, of so Famer Lee Smith joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And awesome. What a, what a joy it was to get to know him when I first started out um, back in uh, 1981. I think he was a, a rookie back then. Yeah. He was a starting pitcher at that time. And then everywhere he went, like Boston was like, oh, my God, we got Lee Smith. Then he goes to uh, to St. Louis. They're like, oh, my God, we got Lee Smith. Yeah. It's yeah. like everywhere he went, it was like, oh, my yeah. God. Long, long overdue, but now uh, a Hall of Famer. So uh, great day tomorrow. When we come back, uh, more Cub and White Sox talk. Can the Cubs continue to hold on to Castellanos after this year? And September call-ups for both clubs coming tomorrow, right? Will Ben Zobris have have an impact on the Cubs? Will Luis Robert be with the White Sox? All here on Inside the Clubhouse at 312-644-6767, text 67011. We're right back on 670 The Score. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, your Western Conference champion. Chicago Wolves will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. And it was brought to you by Chicago Dogs. Baseball with everything is the last big weekend for the dogs. Lots of great stuff going so, on up there. Uh, revisionist history is something that I think... Was it invented with uh, sports talk radio, revisionist history? I think we perfected it. I think so. I, yeah. think, I think we did. And, yeah. then, and then political discourse followed us, sadly. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you know, the score went on the year in 1992, and I think <laughs> that soon came afterwards, and then uh, other people followed and uh, copied it. But in reality, the Jose Quintana story being traded to the Cubs for Jimenez and Cease that story seems to change week to week, month to month, uh, maybe now year to year as far as now that Jimenez and Cease are both in the major leagues, how that's perceived by White Sox fans, Cub fans, and uh, just general baseball fans who really don't have a horse in the race. Well, with Jose Quintana being as good as he now has been consistently for a while, 
here and having the effect that he has. And he's a, he's a remade kind of pitcher, frankly, with this curveball working the way that it is and him going to it as much as he is. It does change the conversation. Um, but it's be- not sexy when you talk. Jose Quintana is what every team wants, a consistent three or four pitcher, a guy you can rely on to have a 350 to 380 ERA, be 15 and 12 or 14 and 11, and just uh, go out there and throw your 32 starts, not be the ace, not be the second guy, but the essential guy that uh, continues to patch your team together so that uh, you have enough starting innings and the bullpens aren't worn out. Uh, I, I think it was talked about with higher potential than that, though. People were thinking that he might be I, able to be a two. I, but I, even if if all if yeah. all he is in his entire career as a Cub is a really solid three who you can depend on like crazy, it, it's incredibly valuable. And as I've always said about this particular deal, you can't define a winner and loser because it hasn't played out yet. We don't know what Eloy Jimenez is going to be with consistency, and we sure don't know what Dylan Cease is going to be with consistency yet. And here's the thing. Even if those guys are great, if the Cubs get to another World Series with Jose Quintana as a main rotation piece, the trade will have been worth well, it. Well, it's already worth it, in my opinion, Matt, because of the fact that They've made two playoff runs with him. They're liable to have a third one right now. And his contributions are undervalued because of what he brings as far as consistency. Uh, People talk in this uh, day and age how bullpens are the key and you can win without good starting pitching. And the Yankees may again make a run at winning a World Series without a a strong rotation. But in the end... uh, as Theo Epstein has talked about this year, bullpens have had a rough year this year. They've had a rough year staying healthy. They've had a rough year of getting people out. Uh, and the, the reality is is that you're going to have to get back to knowing that strong rotations are as always where it's going to be at as far as contending teams and teams that are consistent. I don't um, feel the need, nor do I think it's fair, to define a winner and loser on that thing uh, yet. But I will say that Quintana is is affecting the conversation on it in a very, very positive way over the last couple of months. Yeah. And right now, he would get a playoff start for me. I, it, 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 to me, it's like he is the best of the three lefties in terms of who gets a playoff start right now for me. Epstein and Hoyer, Hahn and Williams will tell you, we don't want a winner. All we want is an equal trade that has impacted both teams positively. And I think we have a real good chance for that result out of this deal. Right now, according to Baseball Reference War, B-War, Eloy Jimenez is a negative war player. He's a minus 0.1. All right, get rid of him. And Fangraph's war, F-war, he's 0.3. Cease is obviously a negative right now. Okay, they're no good, right? No, but uh, if you're just taking stock of the universe right now where it stands, I mean, I I love Cease's stuff, um, and I love Eloy's power uh, and his potential, and it's incredible to watch, but... They're not finished products with proven MLB they, careers. They should yet. be. They should not be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only a few Acunas coming around. There's only a few Sotos that come to the major leagues and have a, a impact immediately when they show up. There is player development at the major league level. There is continued player development for years. What are we watching? Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ. Uh, countless other players in the game continue to do right now. Who are they 
What does war tell you about them? Where are they going to go? What will the finished product be like? As Theo Epstein always says, it's not, you know, player development is not linear. And therefore, uh, looking at a, a, a trade or a player in the moment is fun. It's real. It's something impactful, but it's not forever. Yesterday, you might have been surprised to see the Cubs line up and say, my God, no Bryant, no Rizzo because of the back, and no Hayward. So Bryant and Hayward both got a day off. We have a lineup today. All three of those guys are back. Rizzo back batting cleanup is the news. So Hayward, Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, the red-hot Victor Caratini is your six-hitter. Kyle Schwarber is your seven-hitter. And then Addison Russell and Cole Hamels. Boy, that that looks like a much longer lineup than we have uh, sometimes seen. I think the argument going down the line is uh, how often will Hayward lead off again, knowing that it hasn't been working for him or the team? I think. Don't you think it's binary though, because of what he said? D- you know, he doesn't want to be looking over his shoulder. I think if he plays, he's hitting leadoff. Like once you take him out of there, you can't put him back. In, in my opinion, because he, he has put it out I mean, there. Every guy, every guy on the team is let off. Yeah. Every guy. So, I mean, it's yeah, like. But he, he's not, he he's his, not every guy. He had his 30 days. I don't think you, you automatically take uh, an out at the top of the order. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying once you move him out there, out of there, I don't think you can then put yeah, him back. Because he ba- he asked you for exactly that, didn't he? Yeah, he, he asked for the consistency of, of being able to work his way into that. He, he, he asked for the same thing in center field when they put him there. Like take your, give me time to mm-hmm. be good at this, and they have given him time. And, and you know, I, I don't. But I, I mean, will automatically mean he won't be back there? I don't know. I mean, look, uh, you you start to have a different choice on Sunday with Ben Zobris joining the team. That's going to happen tomorrow when rosters expand. Last year was 37 players they had for most of September. Expect they'll get up to 36 or 37. Almora will be back to be uh, play yeah, I mean, defense. Uh, Guys like that, but Zobrist for sure. You're going right? to have you know three pitchers from the you know you're going to you're going to have Rosario. You're going to have Maples. You're going to have Underwood. Those guys will be around to fortify. The bullpen. Alec Mills, probably. James Norwood, probably. You know, maybe not five right away, but, you know, three or four of those guys. I think Rosario automatically because he's another lefty. How about how about the kid the kid they got from uh, San Diego for Carl Edwards? Brad Week. Yeah, he might he might be there. I, Theo actually brought him up the other day that you will see him in September. He has major league uh, experience already. And he's a big, tall lefty yeah. with swing and miss stuff at the top of the zone. Uh, he might be valuable right away. You know, it, it'll, it'll be good. And the most important thing is by next Thursday or Friday, you'll have – Contreras back on the team and that will be something that's it's been an under talked about undervalued uh reason why the lineup hasn't been great and him getting back there into the middle of the order I think even playing maybe three or four days a week because you have three quality catchers now Mm -hmm. um that'll that'll have some impact let's squeeze in a phone call here before we got to take a break Matt is in River North to talk to you Bruce Levine Bruce a couple questions for you I need the Cubs have to sign Castellanos the guy, he's J.D. Martinez to me. You know, he was lost in Detroit, played on a terrible team. The guy brings energy. He's a better fielder than advertised. And my other point is you guys are talking about the Jimenez-Quintana trade. I'm, as a Cub fan, I'm more worried about Dylan Cease being good. Jimenez, to me, you know, they build him as a Carlos Beltran type, five-tool player. To me, he's going to hit 40 home runs, but what's the difference between him and Solaire? You know? Not, I mean, not a lot. Not a lot. Right. So, to me, I would rather have guys like Trey Turner – Igniters, they're much harder to find than guys like Jimenez. You're right about that. Thanks again, Matt. Uh, Matt Spiegel, you can't – I mean, we, we talk 
till we're blue in the face about the Cubs adding a leadoff hitter. But as Matt here on the call said, they're hard to find. You don't, and they're going to have to be. There's going to have to be a new day in baseball where they start looking for the quote unquote baseball player, the three to four tool guy, the guy that can get on base, hit the ball the other way, run. Uh, that that's going to have to have its own a mechanism to get back into the game if you want to have true leadoff guys. It's happening and have and have lineups uh, where mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you tell me where Epstein and Hoyer can go for a leadoff guy next year. Uh, because of the fact that you know they haven't been able to replace Fowler over the last two years. Well, Nico Horner just went to the Arizona Fall League uh, after an injury plagued year. Maybe that's going to be an option. But they'll go right. out and they'll look around. They need that. They need some guys. Right. But the, the the idea of speed has been pretty much eliminated from the game of baseball right now, as it stands today. Uh, stolen bases are passe. Hit and runs are passe. Uh, the the idea that you're going to get a guy thrown out. Uh, trying to steal base when the next guy can hit a home run. And yet, Bruce... That's the old American League style of we're not we're not going to get that runner thrown out. But when you see offenses like the Nationals doing what they do, and when you see certain hitters just be so superb at being able to do both, and you see other guys being trained to do that, even, even just the last couple of months, the contact approach that Kyle Schwarber has taken, as they're trying to he, mold he, guys into try, doing that. He's tried to do that all year. I mean, he started in spring training doing that, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, hitting the ball the other way. It's just, it's not learned and it's not accomplished uh, right away. Right. I mean, it takes it takes a long time. I mean, so they'll try to teach guys, right. but but they will try to go out and get somebody who plays that. Right. Way. I mean, if it's a trade off between Schwarber hitting forty home runs and Schwarber hitting two eighty and driving in sixty five, which one are you going to take? Yeah. Well, they're asking him to do both. Good. They believe well, that then he, he can. is Babe Ruth. Well, <laughs> if, if he figured all that out, then maybe it would be. Uh, thanks for the calls, everybody. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. More calls to come. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and only one more hour to do it, Bruce. Before me and Steve Rosenblum take over after that, John Lester next hour, as well as Brewers pre and post man Tim Allen, right here on six seventy. The score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.